podcast brought to you by the RFK Refugees Sports Network. This is Adam Davis in the booth today and I'm coming at you a little later later than intended to this week but uh, nursing a bit of a cold so I'm sorry if my voice sounds a little bit off Um, and uh, coming at you the day before currently recording on Thursday afternoon the day before uh, Loudon's next matchup which is against the Charleston Battery uh, away 7 30 p.m. Eastern time um, this is going to be one of those matches, I believe, where the team is actually hosting their own watch party, and so Stampede is uh, probably glomming onto that, and uh, I think that if I'm healthy, um, and I think that a lot of people will be out there, but if I'm healthy, I'm, I intend to be there as well. Um, that'll be at Old Ox Brewing. Uh, but yeah, so uh, today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about the last two matches. Uh, we were on a two-game win streak and um, lost that to two very strong strong sides um up next we've got another strong side and then in a quick three-day turnaround um against the not as strong side um so what does that all mean right so the first thing we'll talk in order of precedence of how things happened and we've also got some other news uh trickling around the the clubhouse as well try to cover all that uh, before we we close out the episode today so first off um first order of business is the birmingham legion match um going into that with the two-game win streak really thought that um, there was kind of hope that we might be able to pull an upset of, against a team that is a bit stronger than us still, um, not only in the standings, but uh, and they've had a, a struggle and run of form in, in recent recent weeks. But uh, a big night in, in the, the, the city of Birmingham, um, uh, announcing a new minority owner and um, also having former star Chris Richards out there um, after his victorious campaign with the U.S. men's national team winning the CONCACAF Nations League title. Um, so him being in town um, just capped off a strong home win and, and clean sheet for for the lads out for, for Birmingham lads there. Uh, that was a great you know showing all around. Um, you know you could say that in the first half, uh, Loudon dominated a couple of play- specific statistics, but dominated is a strong word. You know they they definitely owned possession with a, a somewhere around fifty five percent of it, uh, and they had more shots and opportunities in the first half as well. But none of them really had any real teeth. I think that's one of those things where like stats kind of lie. Um, shots versus shots on goal for Loudon was really decider early on and often. Um, I, I think that they, they led the, both teams with, with total shots in the, in the first half, but um, I, I don't think a single one of them was on, on frame, um, and, and you got, they got to be. So, you know, even though we may have had more shots in total, maybe even more shots on goal, I really doubt that. You know, it, it, the, those, those are just stats that don't really demonstrate the overall um, performance that was out there. And, with, and it was a performance that was, that was done, uh, well done by, by, Birmingham, by Birmingham. So, um yeah, I mean, the the first goal was a defensive breakdown. You know, you see that happen at every level of professionalism. Um, and, you know, it was a, it was a chance to, to, to burn us on the counter, and, and they did just that, um, maybe potential overcommitting by by Martin's men. And um, the second one was just a perfectly weighted ball, you know. N- not even bad positioning or defending. Not great, but, you know, it, it's just going to happen. Um you know, you're going to always find yourself again over committing when we're coming from behind. Um, Jackman kept us in the game. You know, he made some good saves. Maybe I was off in his position here and there, but all, all in all, you know, he had made some, some stellar saves and 
um, continues to, to make his mark and be in the conversation for, for save of the week. Um, the the big performance of the night would have been probably Nanana Sarlandri. Landry was just so good. You know, he was the highest rated player on the pitch for our team um, and almost the entirely both teams. Uh, he I think Fatmab had him at an 8.2, whereas the man of the match, the only other player who scored higher than him was uh, was Alex Cognell. Maybe maybe Asiedu, Asiedu also um, might have been rated higher. But but overall, I mean, absolutely almost stole the man of the match for, uh, being on the losing side. Um, stellar performance, but you know that's that's enough about Birmingham. Um, we played against a middle of the pack team, middle of the table team. Um, you know we're we're not necessarily a middle of the table team ourselves just yet. So we played against one, we lost against one. There it is. Um, then we take on uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies and, and a home match uh, over this past weekend on Saturday evening. And um, no one really gave us much of a chance in this one, right? That This is a game against a, a top two team, a team that's consistently and proverbially in the conversation for uh, being in the conversation for, for a championship for Eastern Conference titles. Um, the Rowdies are meticulous with their recruiting and their contract building, and they bring in the best talent. Uh, um, and uh, they are a sought-after club to play for in this league. But nonetheless, uh, we opened the scoring, and I think that a lot of the the league probably changed channel at that moment and and, and thought to themselves, "Oh wow, Loudon's going to do what Loudon does every so often," and and really upset a big a big hitter. Um, the first goal was immense. I mean, it was just a highlight reel of of team play and, and a great finish uh, for Tommy and th- that header. Um, absolutely impressive stuff. You know, you just you just want to see team goals like that. You want to see ball control and 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 smart heads up kind of play like that. Um, the second goal was a Tampa Bay goal and, um, <clears throat> to tie it up and it, it was the result of poor man marking, um, and, and some, some not so beautiful positioning again from, from Dane Jackman. Um, then, you know, we get a, uh, we get the third goal, uh, we go up two one, um, which was just a solid overall heads up play from our attacking four. Um, a strong play by Hopkins as well. He initiated it, you know, took the shot. It was deflected and then was able to get there and be a part of the finish. Uh, Tommy absolutely just bullish in, in the box, in and around and outside the box. Um, just having a great game at this point, having nabbed uh, just both a, a goal and an assist. And uh, you're looking at a kind of a, a team, uh, a man-of-the-match performance already, kind of cooking. And then the fourth goal is the fourth goal. It is what's going to happen. Tampa Bay is a good team. They're going to score goals like that. They are going to uh, to burn us at times. Um, I, I don't even want to talk about that one. That's not even important. The, the the goal, I think that's the most substantial goal of the entire competition, was that fifth goal, the one that, that gave Tampa Bay the lead. Um, and it was just complete Sunday league type stuff. Um, no one was paying attention. The, they assumed the, the play was over, uh, you know, everyone's running to the ball and kind of leaving attackers inside the box unmarked um, inside the six uh, just lazy defending lazy keeping you know it's one of those clips where it, it's a clip that doesn't demonstrate the talent that's on the field um, and, and hopefully it's a clip that's being played over and over again by the players on this squad uh, to, to remind them that this is just not this is not what what they should expect of themselves they're they're so much better than than what they did in that in those you know 12 to 15 seconds. Um, terrible stuff. Um, a red card, uh, was then issued to Chica later on, um, on a counter. Um, maybe, maybe not a counter, I guess it's not fair to call it a counter. Um, counter came off the sixth goal, but you know, his boot went high 
and uh, it is what it is. You know, if if the, if the ref believes that's a goal scoring opportunity, you know, he's got to he's got to stop that, and um, he's got to he's got to pull out the red card. Chica, uh, you know, then being out, you know, left us extremely exposed, and and the sixth goal came um, because we're, we're playing so high. We're trying to to steal a point, you know, at, at home down a man, um, and, and just beautifully worked and 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 finished by Jake Laclava. Uh, Jake LaClava does what Jake LaClava does. Um, you know, it's just one of those players who continues to do his best, perform his best against us. Um, you gotta love the kid. He's, he's always, um, always been very professional. Uh, even when he played for New York Red Bulls, when he comes to, to Sager Field, he's been, uh, highly respectful uh, of our, of our club and our players as, as mentioned before that it's one of the hardest places he's found to play because of the players, um, uh, because of the atmosphere, um, you know, that's that's a huge compliment as a as a club that doesn't always fill the stadium um, to to hear that. So, yeah, you know, you, you can't hate him. But he he was able to bag a, a goal and an assist on, on the night. And so, to shout out to Jake, um, who's back in Tampa Bay after a, a short MLS stint. Um, you know, so yeah, Tampa Bay's uh, standout performers. Yeah, you know, Cal Jennings had two goals and an assist off the bench. Kind of demonstrating to the league what a, a really deep squad can do, uh, and and shifting in tactics and proper shifting in tactics, what what that can mean, um, really demonstrates to, to us because our glaring uh, hole right now is a lack of depth, and you know, and, and we're gonna see that over the coming games as games start to get stacked onto other games, and the rest periods are gonna really struggle. Uh, like I said, Jake Lacava and, and JJ Williams also both had solid matches. Uh, Williams had an assist himself. Um, as their nine-man um, standout performance for for Loudon, Tommy, right? Tommy had the goal and the assist, and Landry continues to just you know show us why he's probably our, our talisman of the midfield. Um, hopefully, we can keep him. Hopefully, it's not someone that that DC or, or someone else looks at uh, at the end of the season. Uh, Chica, Jackman, and, and Clark were all bad. You know, no sugarcoating there. Uh, that the decision by Chica. Chica is one of those players that that. He has to commit hard. He he does commit hard on tackles, and it makes him such a, a viable and, and talented um, uh, defender. And, and you know, you, not to compare him to someone with 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 a likeness of his hair, but um, you, you think of like David Luis, you know, from 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 Chelsea or Paris Saint Germain. You know, someone like that who who really kind of overcommits and puts a lot out there um, in, in each tackle, and and when that when that works, they are glorious tackles, and when it doesn't, um, they are sent off, and that's just you're gonna have a higher uh, propensity for for dismissals in in that kind of a situation. So he will be absent, um, assuming that there's no petition to to overturn that, and I doubt that there will be. Um, if if there is, I don't think there'll be much validity in it. But he will be absent in the coming week versus Charleston. Um, so so that's gonna pose a huge question and a huge problem. Um, then we'll get into that. But uh, but Coach Martin's gonna have to start asking himself questions on the defensive line. Um, excuses are gonna be you know back to the fixture congestion situation. We're playing midweek matches. We're playing weekend matches, and then we're playing midweek again. Um, you know we got three days between Charleston and Hartford though, so nothing's gonna change here. This is either going to be an excuse that they're going to continue to tout and not saying that the team is touting this. I'm, I'm making this excuse on, on their behalf. Um, but it is going to be a continued problem. So if, if, if the depth issue is, you know, in the, uh, the physicality and the endurance problems are going to continue to be glaring there. I don't see that getting any better anytime soon. Um, there was a lot of calls for a penalty via handball that I didn't really see because I had to miss the game. Um, but, Ultimately, you just can't give up goals the way that Loudon did. And if they gave up the goals that the way that they, and they played the way that they were, 
hanging their heads the way that they were, um, and, and they gave up the goals that they did, they were going to give up more. Um, you know, you have to wonder if that isn't the case. So it's, you know, you can't live in the what ifs. So uh, the, the final score is 4 2, or excuse me, 2 4. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay gets three points on the road, and um, a battered Loudon is left trying to, to pick up the, the pieces. Uh, and then and then take on another top four team in the Eastern Conference, and that top four team is Charleston Battery. That's tomorrow night. Um, this is a team that's been in contention uh, for a top spot in the East and is, is vying consistently for a championship win uh, in the conversation at least for championship uh, this season. Um, they've they've spent a lot of time at the top of the Eastern Conference um, and, and top of the power rankings as well. Again, their goalkeeping and defending has been their bread and butter, top-notch stuff. Former Loudon goalkeeper Trey Muse, part of the, the stable of, of, of goalkeepers that kind of came in and never really played for us. Uh, but Trey Muse has been between the sticks, and, and he has been just stellar. I think he may lead the league in um, – in clean sheets, um, he leads the East in clean sheets, I believe. Actually, I'll say it again. He's second in the league in, in clean sheets. Um, their attacking's been good too. You know, they're they're not doing any kind of top of the league level type thing in any statistic, really. You know, I guess except for just mentioning the clean sheets. But uh, they are still churning out results after results. Um, in recent form, they've started to slide uh, ever since they they were smashed uh, by seven goals to nil at home to San Antonio back in early May. And since then, they've only won one match. Excuse me, that's not true. They've only won one match in their last five. Um, and it was against a struggling Hartford side and, and lost three in that same span. Um, but they're they're also coming off of a big Eastern Conference loss to Memphis 901, a team that's really found themselves. Um, and in you know while we've got the absence of Daniel Chica, they're also going to have an absence uh, for a very cool and very great reason, and that's um, Leland Archer's, their, one of their star center backs. Uh, he has been called up to Trinidad and Tobago's Gold Cup roster, so he'll be playing there. Um, that is something that didn't really affect them too much. It, you know, it it, it, it it played a part, I think, in Memphis's ability to, that's, I shouldn't say it didn't affect them too much. It played a part in Memphis's ability to be able to, to, to cut through the, their defense um, uh, last weekend, and what they did was they moved... Uh, a traditional left wing back being Declan Wynn moved him into more of a central role and Robbie Crawford slid more from the midfield spot into that left back spot, kind of doing what, what Coach Martin likes to do as well, as, which is put those those more midfield type players in those wing back type spots. Um, it, the back line, it, it did struggle. I think overall it wasn't terrible. Um, you could see the same back line kind of being deployed uh, against Loudon and maybe that's a weakness that, that we're able to capitalize on. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, they're going to give us opportunities to, to take shots. And um, the, the question then becomes, will, uh, will, will Trey Muse do, do what he did in the first you know, few weeks of the season? Or are we going to be able to actually um, finish opportunities? And, and so, yeah, uh, they have uh, a guy by the name of Fidel Barajas, who is their left winger, starting left winger. He'll be, tra- he'll be excuse me, not traveling. He'll be there um, as we travel to Charleston. Um, he is the USL Championship assist leader. He is um, gonna gonna really scare us uh, out on the the left. So someone that Koa is gonna have to to deal with. Um, they are eighth in the league in an average possession at fifty two point eight percent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. The stat, stat, league stat-wise, that's it. Um, our biggest questions, right, are going to be around – our biggest dilemma, I guess you could say. Not even a question. It's just a straight dilemma. It is going to be defense. Um, 
first and foremost, you got uh, Daniel Chica suspended. Um, someone who's been playing well and, and had a very bad game, but you know part of that was was getting a red card um, uh, against Tampa Bay, and um, and then you got a slew of injuries, right? You got uh, is is Turner. Turner was originally quoted to maybe be returning in in the June t- time frame. He's not back yet. Is he going to come back? Um, you got Bryce Washington. Unsure what's happened to him, but uh, we can assume injury as well. Giannis Learman um, and Matai Akinboni both. Uh, back recently and both uh, hobbled off the field. Well, Giannis Learman, I think, just got injured before a game while on the road. And uh, Matai, you know, Matai is, is a DC talisman. Um, he is a he's a potential future star for for the the folks over at Audi. I don't see them risking him a lot if there's anything serious going on. So um, they're gonna pro- protect their investment there. Learman, we've spotted him uh, in, in training this week, so there's. There's some hope there, but he re-injured his ankle, so I'm sure they're going to take his their time with him. Again, no clue what happened to, to Washington, um, but but hoping to see him him back. Uh, Chica, we'll see him hopefully back in the roster against Hartford, but he, he won't be around for Charleston. Um, so that leads to the question of what do you do? And the first thing, you know, well, there's potential um, other replacements before I get into the the solution. You know, Jace Clark has had. Uh, some games he started uh, against Tampa and, and didn't do that great, but has had some some good outings as well. Ethan Pendleton, um, also from the DC Academy, has been on the roster a few times. I haven't really seen him at all. Uh, Aiden Rocha has played at, at center of the defense and um, haven't haven't really been able to pan anything from from him just yet. But he's he's kind of swapped into that position mid match. Uh, you know, traditionally a more of a right back, so he's got the defensive mindset. And then Hayden Sargas, are we going to see him come back now that uh, international players are, are back from the international break on DC's roster? Uh, don't don't know. We're we're not exactly sure there. Um, some other. Unnamed, maybe uh, or unmentioned uh, center backs are Liam Moore, Justin Rainey, Dash Papez, Graham Jones, uh, one of the names who just got brought onto the MLS Next uh, All Star list, and Owen Walls, who's who's a number of times spent uh, days or I guess evenings in Loudon jerseys. Um, Jones himself has also made a bench appearance for Loudon, um, but is more traditionally deployed at, at left back. Um, someone, you know, that of course we know Martin is, uh, Coach Martin's capable of, of using fullbacks in, in more of central roles. Um, but, and, and Walls, I, I believe, is still at the University of Virginia, but maybe there's a, a, an academy clause to be able to allow him to play uh, in, the, in the summertime on an academy contract. So, um, <clears throat> so what, what do we do? And what, what did, did Loudon do? That is, they, uh, they went out and signed someone. So we've been asking for a long time, you know, to, to fill the gaps and to fill. Uh, to add some depth to this this roster, and uh, I think a smart move was the signing of Jake Morris from on loan from Columbus Crew, MLS side Columbus Crew. Um, not Aiden Morris. Uh, it's actually his older brother, Aiden Morris, being the star um, center midfielder for for Columbus Crew, a highly touted 21 year old who is uh, currently with uh, or has been with the U.S. Men's National Team, I believe, with the Nations League, might be as well with, with the Gold Cup. Uh, not him though. Uh, that would be very exciting. But actually, um, his bigger and older brother, who's a defender, thank God, Jake Morris. Um, so on loan rest remainder of the season. Columbus, as always, retains the right to recall him at any point. But if they want him to develop, which is what they're expecting, right? They're expecting minutes and, and opportunities to develop him. Um, something they've they've done while they've pumped him through uh, the the Columbus Crew two side and MLS Next League. Um, he is a six foot one defender. 
Um, there's conflicting reports on an inch or so here and there, but we're going to call him six foot one. Uh, he's a big lad. He has played traditionally plays left back. He's a, a left back or a left center back in a back three, um, which is where he played when we saw him most recently. We'll get into that. Um, with his size and stature, I could see him being brought into a back three, but I don't think Martin has the the manpower to do that right now to, to kind of deploy that it's kind of a formation even though it might be what he wants so we might see him at center back we might see him at left back that would be a bit of a bummer because i think zane's done all right um fun fact he wore number 33 in columbus he's been training in the number three which we all know is sargis's number um uh, whether he's back or not whether that means he's coming back or not i don't know if you know if you can throw uh someone into someone else's roster number mid-season not sure, but he may be wearing something else come match day. I believe 13 is probably open if, if we're really into threes. Um, <clears throat> like I said, he spent the majority of his time with the Columbus crew two-side in the MLS Next League. Been there relatively off and on since last year. He has had two appearances this season for Columbus um, in, in their first team, their their first team proper. Both have come in the U.S. Open Cup. He got 13 minutes against Indy 11 in the match before they played us. And um, <clears throat> he got the most minutes in the match that he did play against us, coming on in about the 67th minute. Uh, if, if everybody remembers, it was an absolute trouncing. I believe it was uh, one to six was the final score. He was, uh, fun fact, the lowest rated player on the pitch for the crew. Um, and he also gave up the penalty uh, that, that Khalil Elmedkar was able to convert. Um, eh, a bit of a shoulder-to-shoulder kind of tackle. I think in a lot of leagues, it probably wouldn't have been called a penalty, but we're all grateful as Loudon fans that it was called a penalty. Um, but yeah, so the majority of his minutes at the top tier, um, or at least at the U.S. Open Cup level, we actually got to watch him play, and he did all right. Uh, I don't think he was the most confident player out there, but um, so he came uh, to Columbus via a trade for his homegrown rights a few years ago with Seattle, and he has deputized at the U.S. Youth National level for excuse me at the U.S. Youth National team at both the U19 and the U20 levels, two appearances each. So, uh, you know the 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 team went out. They 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 spent some money, or at least uh, spent some goodwill, and uh, nabbed up a, a new defender. Um, if we see him out there and you, you see Learman back um, and then we get Chica back as well, I could see us starting to, to piece together a, a contingent of defenders, um, but you really, really want to see more depth than that. You want to see some opportunity for some rotation as the, as the, the, the squad gets worn down and they have to deal with these these matches being stacked on stacked and, and this first half of July is gonna be it's gonna be like that until we get through the first half of July the, the, the next two weeks are gonna be tough um so so yeah um that's not promising for for Charleston right that the, it, it may be an opportunity for for Loudon to steal some uh, some points but I, I don't think a lot of folks are gonna go into it with a lot of hope um, I think Charleston's gonna come out there they might not even towed out their their best roster um but they're gonna kind of expect three points against us um and, and therein lies the the hope that maybe they they sleep on us and, and something comes out of it after charleston though is is something exciting you know after charleston comes an opportunity we'll say um a must win i would even go go ahead and say um because after charleston comes a match a a home match hosting bottom of the league side hartford athletic 
Now, Hartford hasn't won any of their last six matches. Their last win was all the way back on May 20th against us. Because why? They always have our number. That's why. They have two wins all season. Half of their wins have come against us. Two-thirds of them could come against us come Monday. Um, and that's, that's there's come, come you know, Monday or, or, uh, or, or Tuesday, I guess, because Monday is the actual match. Um, they are coming off of three home games in a row where they are getting ample rest, though. Um, five of their last six matches have been home. This is their first match in a while that they haven't been in the comfort of their own home. And they're dealing with a lot of stuff. Um, they are they, they just lost uh, Antoine Hapineau, Uh And they're going to have him back from suspension in time for our game. That's one of their star left-wingers, left-wing-back type players. Um, there's a lot of drama and stuff that's going on as well. They uh, recently fired their head coach, who's uh, Tab Ramos, um, who's had a storied career as a player and a coach. He coached uh, the U.S. Youth National Team, the U-20s, uh, for nine, eight or nine years, and was even an assistant coach at the U.S. Men's National Team level for two. Um, also coached Houston Dynamo for two seasons before coming to Hartford. Um, and he was fired before uh, completing a full calendar year with Hartford. That's pretty substantial. Uh, they got an interim coach in, in the meantime uh, stepping in. They've got a loss themselves in Tristan Hodge, who is on international duty with, you guessed it, Trinidad and Tobago, with their Gold Cup roster. Uh, so you, you got you the benefit of that for, for both situations to, to defenders in the next two matches that are going to be gone on international duty that we'll be able to capitalize on. They are not a stat-packed lead. They are, there's really not a lot impressive about Hartford, the reason why they are at the bottom, the reason why they fired Tab Ramos. Um, Kyle Edwards leads them currently with six goals and two assists, and uh, Prince Saidi has four goals and three assists, just right behind him kind of stats-wise. Uh, former Elvis, excuse me, former Loudon standout Elvis Ammo, man, messed that up, has got three goals himself, no assists. And uh, Edgardo Rito, who is their highest-rated player, on according to FopMob, um, where I love to get my stats from, is a 7.1. Um, again, nothing crazy going on here. This is a team that is beatable, and Loudon has to beat them in order to be serious. You know, if we can get four points out of these two games, it would be wonderful. Take some time, rest, recuperate, recover. It would be amazing, um, but anything less is gonna be gonna really hurt us. And and to get less than a point, or a point or less out of these two matches would be absolutely heart wrenching uh, for fans. I think I think you'd start to see a lot of hope dwindle in in playoff opportunities. Not that mathematically we'd be eliminated in any way. Uh, there's still a lot of the season to go. And that brings me to transition to the next point, um, which is. Where are we in the season? We are at the halfway point, according to my math, and my math is probably not great, so um, don't don't check, don't confirm, but I believe we're at the halfway uh, season. It's where I marked the halfway point uh, back in March. And with the halfway, with the midway point, uh, I want to start to talk about uh, the season accolades and the current leaders who's currently in the conversation for some of the awardees that we, award positions that we, uh, we, we towed out from the podcast. Um, Number one would be the player of the year. Uh, I think that there are four players who are firmly in the conversation. That is, uh, in no particular order, but maybe a little bit of an order, is Khalil Medkar being number one, Zach Ryan, our leading goal scorer, being number two, Koa Santos, number three, um, and Ananhasa Landry, uh, the midfield giant, at, uh, at four. 
Uh, young player of the year, I've got one player in mind, that's Abdulzane, for just his overall utility and um, his uh, fighting through adversity, playing it in, in a defensive position when it's not traditionally what he's done, and doing well at it too. Um, I got two team performances of the year so far, the, the 3-0 win over uh, a battered Birmingham Legion and a 3-1 comeback win over FC Tulsa, both at home. Um, you know, home matches are, are what you want to see these days. Um, individual performance of the year, I think it's still, right now, the leader is Zach Ryan's performance versus Memphis in the first game of the season, where he got, got two goals and one assist. And uh, one of the more obscure awards would be the Utility Player of the Year, uh, going to Aiden Rocha, who has played, uh, and he may have played in more than this, but has played, as far as I can tell, at center mid, center back, and at right back at some point throughout this season. And we might see him play uh, a little more positions, too, uh, as we continue to go through uh, finding uh, ways to solve our depth issues. So that uh, that rounds out today's episode. I, I know I've been talking about the Where Are They Now segment and, and adding more to the podcast and that, that capability, but this has been a long episode. I've talked a lot about uh, upcoming matches and um, the, the recent two losses as well, as well as our, our newest signing. Uh, we, we, we wish Jake all the best. We, we're excited to have him on board. Um, but I'm thinking about doing one of the three uh, next three players as, as the, the next We Are They Now segment. So tune in next time. Hopefully we'll get to it then. Uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, but hopefully either Kairu Amostafa, Antonio Bustamante, or Tyler Freeman. Those are the three I'm thinking of doing that segment on next. So, so again, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate everybody who makes it this far in an episode. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks. Thanks.